I believe 100%, and I'm talking to everybody in here, everyone watching, that God wants to use you. I truly believe that. God has a specific purpose and a plan for each person in his ministry. There is a spot for you in God's work, for every single one of you. I believe that God has a unique ministry that is perfectly suited for you. But here's the thing. I understand that that many times Christians don't engage in that ministry. I understand that many times we don't quite make it into God's service. Here's some reasons why. Right now, maybe you're here and you're a bit distracted. You know, Christians many times allow sin. They allow the pleasures of this world, things that are, you know, attract your attention, temporary things to get us sidetracked and completely out of the game. Satan has a great way of doing that. He can distract you with any number of things. And and so you just are are focused on other things besides what God would have you focus on. Satan renders us ineffective by taking our eyes off off Christ. Christians are also discouraged. Maybe you've come in here today and in a room this size with this many people, I, I do believe that somebody in here is dealing with something heavy. You know, you've got that thing on your mind and it just has you discouraged. It has you down. Maybe you feel defeated. Maybe you have a health issue and your health issue has kept you discouraged. Christians often experience feelings of inadequacy. You know, we, we know that God has something for us and we'll, we believe that we should serve him and give him our life. But sometimes we tell ourselves, I just don't have what it takes. I just, that's not, somebody else can do it, but for me, I'm not capable of serving in that way. We say we're not good enough. Christians experience feelings of unworthiness. Oftentimes when we're in the thick of sin or when we're struggling to break free of of an addiction or a bondage or something in our life, a, a continual habit, we just say, I'm not worthy to serve God, and I can, and I'm just stuck right where I am, unable to serve. Here's where I'm going with the message today. Uh, Have you read that passage about the dry bones that come alive? I believe there are some dry bones that just need to come alive. I believe that there are Christians that are defeated that need to engage in service. I believe that there are people that have, for whatever reason have allowed their circumstances, their trials, their difficulties, whatever it is you're going through in your life, you've used it and it's become something that's got you defeated. It's got your head down and you're distracted and you say, I can't serve because of this. But today I wanna show you that you can serve because of it. It provides an opportunity instead of an excuse. Today, I want to help you discern the question, and the message is titled, Where Do I Fit? How can I fit in God's greater plan? If if God has a purpose and a mission for Christians, where's my spot? Where, where, Where do I fit into this puzzle? Let's pray and ask God for his help, and we'll get into the scriptures today. Father, I pray here, and I just ask that you would use this time as an opportunity for us to discern, to evaluate, to question. And God, I pray you'd lead us to what you'd have us to do. God, I pray if somebody today is yours and they are in sin or they are discouraged and downtrodden or their mind is just distracted by the world, I pray that we would all find victory from those things and re-engage in your work. 
And we thank you for your help in this. I pray you'd just guide in this message. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm excited uh, because uh, for the last several months, we have been gearing up for what's going to start next Sunday. Uh, If you have already been browsing in your church center app, there's a little button that says, this is our mission. Because next week, we are kicking off a whole month where we take our minds off of the world, we take our mind off of the politics, we take our minds off of the cares of this world, and we say, Jesus, tell me about what you have going on. Tell me about your plan. Tell me about your purpose. And the theme for the entire month of October is this is our mission. The fact that Jesus' mission to go and make disciples and to baptize them and to teach them all that he's commanded us, that is our personal mission. And so in in light of that, today I want to just help us discern where do you fit in God's mission? Because I do believe that every single one of us is called to and fits in God's mission. How can I discern where I fit. Let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 14. Where do you fit? Well, let's figure it out together. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14, the Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, Or you could say, and the reason that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. That means that from now on, if you're alive in this room, if I'm not dead, he's not done. You understand? If you are alive and you are a Christian, that God has another reason for you to live, and it's not for your own self. It's for his mission unto him which died for you. Verse 16, wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ that be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Listen, if you are going to discern and know where you fit into God's plan, here's point number one. You need to know who you are. You need to know who you are. See, your identity in Christ should define your life. Did you read these verses here? If any man or woman be in Christ... He is a new creature. God has made you a completely new creation. You are a new creation. The Bible says old things are passed away. The person you used to be, the things you used to do, the sin you used to be a part of, the uh, priorities that you used to have are old and they're passed away. All things are become new. You have a new mindset, a new purpose. Everything is new because you are a new creation. You have a new purpose. Look in verse number 18. 
And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Who are you? The Bible says you're reconciled. If you were once over here far from God, an enemy of God, you were once in your sin. You had things that you wish you didn't do, but you did. You have regrets in your past. We can all look back at this time if we know Christ. But the Bible says because of Jesus, God reconciled us to God that means because Jesus died on the cross, because Jesus paid all, for all of your sin and he rose again, you can become now close to God. You're reconciled. Listen to this verse in verse 18. It says, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You say, I don't have a ministry. Yes, you do. If you are a Christian, you have a ministry. And your ministry is right here in verse 18 the ministry of reconciliation. You see, Jesus brought you back to God, and now he has tasked you and every single Christian with that same purpose, to bring other people back to God, to back in right relationship with God. The Bible says in verse 20, it describes it further. Now then we are, say that word with me, ambassadors for Christ. Now then we are ambassadors for for Christ, that word ambassador is the word representative. You, you say, I don't have a job. Maybe you're here and you're unemployed. You have a job. Every Christian has a job. We all have this job, this ministry, and it is the job of ambassador. Whether you like it or not, God has tasked you with being his representative. And as soon as we hear that, we have all these excuses come to our minds. I'm not good enough. I can't be an ambassador. Do you know what I've done? Do you know where I've been? I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified. I don't have the skills. I'm going to help you with that today. But if you're going to know where you fit, you've got to know who you are. Your identity is important. You know, many times uh, we define ourselves by worldly labels, and we, we just label ourselves. If someone were to ask you, and they say, tell me about yourself, how do we normally respond? When somebody says, hey, tell me about yourself, you know what we do? We cite our profession. We say, well, I work here. I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. I'm a whatever it is you do. That's normally how we define ourselves. We say, this is who I am. More important than what you do is who you are in Christ. Your most important calling is not the job or career that you have. It's not how you make money or how you spend your 40 hours per week. It is who you are in Christ. That defines you. And that defines your priorities. And sometimes we cite our profession. Other times when we think about who we are and we ask that identity question, we cite our past. We say, I'm a mess up. Say, I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. I, I did this in my past. Sometimes your failure defines you. Listen, in order to understand what God wants you to do, you must understand who you are. And knowing who you are means knowing whose you are. That is the key. If you are going to know who you are, it's not about who you used to be in your past. You are a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. You are his. Isn't that incredible? We, we, so we live our whole week sometimes and we just define ourselves by, I always fail or I never measure up or I can't do these things. Jesus says differently about us. He gives us different labels than we give ourselves. Many times we're our own worst enemy and we have taken ourselves out of God's service because of how we define ourselves. The Bible says you are a child of the king if you know Jesus. The Bible says you are forgiven. Do you understand the scope of that forgiveness? Everything that you've ever done in your past can be forgiven by Jesus. 
You are forgiven. You don't stand in condemnation anymore. God doesn't look down at you in judgment. God loves you. You are forgiven. I love it because when Jesus even issued his great commission to go into all the world, when he said to go and make disciples, to baptize them, he followed it up with, and lo, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the world. You are never alone as a Christian. You may say you're alone or think you're alone or live as if you're alone, but God's word says you're not alone. The Bible says that we're free from bondage. Some of us in here are out of the game. We're out of service because we say, I'm stuck here. Well, if you are a new creation and old things are passed away, you are no longer stuck here. The Bible says you're not to yield yourselves anymore unto sin, but you can now have the freedom to give yourself, yield yourself unto righteousness. You are not your past. You are who Jesus says you are. Are you with me with that? Does that make sense? Doesn't that feel good? That is who you are in Christ, and you've got to know that. He defines who you are, and because you're his, you now have a new mission. It's his mission. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians. He defines his life. He, he gives a statement of his identity and how it ought to be played out in our lives. Philippians 1, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. He says, for me, he says, Christ is going to be made larger. My life is about him now, whether it be by life or by death. Look in verse 21. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The apostle Paul says, my life is defined by Christ. And listen, if you are going to serve God, the first thing you've got to know is who you are in Christ. You are his. You are not your own anymore. He has a new mission for you. He has a new purpose for you. Who are you? You are Christ. Listen, knowing who you are in Christ, that gives you the broad mission, doesn't it? We know we're supposed to reach people with the gospel, preach the gospel to every creature. We have a new mission in Christ. But it still begs the question, well, what about me specifically? Like, I get it. Uh, Pastor Chris, I get it. I'm supposed to go. But like, I, like, what way? How do I go about finding where to go, who to go to, uh, how to go? What, what, am, what is my role in this mission? Because I, I do believe it gets more specific for you. Here's the second thing you've got to know. You've got to know what you have. Know what you have. You are an individual created uniquely by God. Do you know that? Listen, look around the room. Those of you looking around here, those of you on camera, you can't see us around the room, uh, but you look around the room, everybody's different. We have different hairstyles. We have different sizes. We have different uh, genders. We are different. We are all different. We have different preferences. I truly believe that God has created us different on a, for a reason, and that difference that you have, what makes you different than others gives you an opportunity to be in ministry. Let me explain. Each one of us has different skills. You have talents, true, true talents, things that you've learned to do, things that you're able to do that others don't have. You have relationships in your life that others don't have. You have connections, people that you work with that I don't work with. You have people that you live next to that I don't live next to. You have circles of friends that, that you have that I'll never have and that it's different from everyone in the room. You have different skills, different relationships. You have spiritual gifts. 
It's amazing because when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, the Bible says when you get saved, the Holy Spirit resides in you. You are his dwelling place, and he gave you gifts. He gave you specific gifts that are to be used to edify the body of Christ. They're to be used to benefit others. Some of you have the gift of mercy. You have the ability to feel what others feel and hurt when others hurt. Some of you have the gift of helps. You have the ability to just say, whatever there is needed to do, I'll do it. Let me work behind the scenes. Some of you have the ability, you have that gift of administration where you can oversee and orchestrate plans and strategies and help God's people get to work. There are different spiritual gifts. Some of you have different passions. Each one of us has different passions. Some of you care a lot about kids, and so that may lead to working in the nursery or serving uh, children outside in our community. Some of us don't have the, the passion for children and working with them, okay? You understand what I'm saying? Those of you that identify with that, you're with me on that, okay? Uh, we have different passions. When you go through your week sometimes, you see something and you say, why isn't this problem in the world fixed? Do you know God has placed care for different things in this world on your heart so that you can use that passion to do something about it. I truly believe that. God has given us passions to use. I wanna, I wanna give you some real life examples because I think it'll help us to discern in knowing what we have. Just yesterday, uh, one of our most incredible church members we had a funeral for, her name was Letha Kinneman. Letha Kinneman, if you know her, she was a wonderful lady. She was so kind and so sweet, uh, and she was so diligent to do everything she did. Um, I didn't know her very well personally, but I do know her from different conversations we had. Letha Kinneman had skills that I do not possess. She had the ability to decorate, and she was very creative. Those were her skills. Uh, Letha Kinneman had a passion for a certain ministry that started up here at Fellowship called Young at Heart, where we reach out to uh, those senior saints, senior citizens in the community. I have to be careful how I say that because I'm only 33. But uh, we, we, we she had a care for that group of people. That was her passion. And Letha Kinneman, for years and years, would, would provide the decorations and work so hard to make those decorations great, to give people a great experience at Young at Heart. She used her skills. She used her relationships. She used her spiritual gift. If you say, what was Letha Kinneman's spiritual gift? I would have to guess that she had two spiritual gifts. One would be the spiritual gift of helps. That's the gift where she just says, I'll just serve in the background. I'm just glad to get things done and help out and be a part. The other spiritual gift I know she had was encouragement. That's that gifting where you know those people that come alongside you and sometimes they just have the right things to say. It encourages you, lifts you up, asks you to continue to go forward. It's helpful. That's that encouraging gift. The Bible calls it exhortation. Letha Kinneman used her skills. She used what she had for God's glory. You understand? Let me give you another example. Next week, I cannot wait. Are they here? I don't see them here. Bob and Shelley Morcom. We love Bob and Shelly Morgan. Oh, Shelly, you're right in front of me. Shelly, I'm talking about you. Everyone at home, hashtag Bob and Shelly Morcom. Uh, listen, we love Bob and Shelly Morcom. And next week, we are so thrilled to uh, present them to our church as our missionaries. Can't wait to do that. And uh, you can clap for that. Listen, let me, let me tell you about this. And this is why it's important. You say, what, what, what do I have to offer Jesus? Bob and Shelley have uh, history and skills and abilities to work with horses. They have the knowledge to do that. But Shelley has a spiritual gift of mercy. She hurts when other people hurt. She cares about things and she recognizes the needs. Not only that, she has the ability to counsel and work with people. And God used the, the fact that she knew who she was 
she knew this life is not about her. This life is about Jesus. And she knew what she had to offer to Jesus. And now they run a horse uh, ranch called Glory Reign Stables. And they help children and teenagers that are dealing with abuse and just discouragement and depression and so many other things. And that is where she fits. And that is their spot. Use that as an example. Somebody else, uh, I, I need to start asking permission to use people's names. But hey, uh, I didn't, so forgive me. Uh, Lisa Corwin, you, if you'd been here at this church for any length of time, uh, Lisa Corwin, she's been, a, she's been a blessing to me over the years that I've been here. Lisa is skilled in food preparation. Not only is she just personally skilled, she does that professionally. That's her job at a school as she, as she does food preparation. She can make incredibly tasty meals for a lot of people, and she's very good at it. And that's important when you're cooking for a lot of people that it tastes good. So that's, that's really great. Lisa is gifted with this uh, gift of hospitality. And she offers up what she does. She just, last week, she uh, prepared and organized a meal for our starting point class. Uh, she would oftentimes help at Young at Heart. She would uh, serve and lead our connecting point ministry to, to welcome those that are new to the church. She used what she had in God's mission. Are you understanding how that works? And every one of us has gifts, we have skills, we have connections and relationships that nobody else in here has. And God wants to use that. It's not a matter of saying, yeah, but that skill to stand on stage and speak, I don't have that, so I can't serve. That's not how God works. God says you have your skills and you have your specialty and you have your niche that you can use. And all he's saying is, will you offer it to me? Will you give me what you have? Uh, in the Bible, we go to this story of Joseph. Love the story of Joseph. The Bible says he had a gift that he dreamed dreams and he could interpret dreams. Joseph also had the skill of being a diligent worker. He was great at overseeing things. And every place he went, he was put in this position of an overseer. And he grew in that responsibility and he, he used that. You know, God would later use him and what he had been through and what he had to save a, an entire nation. That's amazing. God used him specifically. He discerned the dreams of Pharaoh and he used his skills and he offered them to the Lord. We think of uh, many of the Psalms. Uh, we love the Psalms. We love to read them. Many times they appear on screen in the songs we sing today. You know David, he was skilled. He had a skill. He could play the harp. He learned to do that as a young boy. Not only that, he had a heart of, uh, toward God. He was known as a man after God's own heart. And God used David to write many of the Psalms that we cling to and cleave, we, just, we hold on to today. God can use you if you'll offer him what you have. Does that make sense? We think of the little boy in the Bible that offered Jesus his five loaves and two fishes. Little boy, five loaves, two fishes. And we get our song, we sing it today, uh, little is much when God is in it. God multiplied what he had. If you are going to serve God, if you say, I want to know where I fit, well, then you need to know who you are in Christ. You know that that's, that, that's your life. That's, that should define you. But you also need to know what you have. What do you have to offer? What are your skills? Maybe you need to take an inventory and you say, I'm not asking you to take an inventory of what aren't your skills, okay? Don't highlight the things everyone else can do. I want you to write down what you can do and maybe get some help with this. What are your skills? Who do you know that other people don't know? Who are your coworkers? Who are your clients? Who are you uh, around during the week that others aren't around? God has placed you there for a reason. How has God gifted you? What is your spiritual gift? Maybe you need to discern that, and I would be more than happy to help you with that, uh, to find what your spiritual gift is, because God has that. He's gifted you so you can use it. 
And what do you care about most? What is it that you're concerned about? What is the cause that fires you up? It's probably different than somebody sitting beside you, and that's okay because God wants to use what you have for his work. So first, know who you are. Second, know what you have. And thirdly, to find out where you fit, know where you've been. Know where you have been. I want you to look in 2 Corinthians. If you're still there, you can turn back to chapter 1. Back in chapter 1, this is one of the most helpful, encouraging passages that that I've read. It's so important. Look in verse number 3, 2 Corinthians uh, 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Uh, Life sometimes is really terrible, and we go through really hard days. But it's amazing as a Christian, when we know whose we are, that God is the God of all comfort. All comfort. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God says, this is who I am. I am here to comfort you. Uh, sometimes we, can go, we go to friends and we say, can you help me? Can you help me? Or please pray for me. Please pray for me. We're turning to the wrong people. They may be able to offer some amount of support and that's good. God is the God of all comfort. Turn to him first. He's the God of all comfort. But look in verse 4, it describes this. He says, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Not only is he the God of all comfort, but he says, I want to comfort you. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, I will be there for you. And it continues. It says, he comforteth us in all our tribulation that, or so that, we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Listen, we, we prayed for Tyler and Kayla. And this is just an example, one, one example that's close to heart, people that we know that is going through a circumstance. They're going through, like verse 4 says, tribulation, difficulty. We don't know what God is going to do. We, we don't know if God is going to heal that baby. We are praying for that. God says we ask we ask. We're asking for what we want. We want healing. We want that heart to heal and be healthy. We want that baby to be healthy. But no matter what the circumstance, we can rest assured of this. The Bible says that God can comfort them and he will comfort them. But the Bible says when they get through the other side of this and they receive God's comfort, they are going to be able to comfort others because of what they've been through. Let me explain this. God is able to use your past experiences as a setup for your future opportunities for ministry. God is able to use your past experience as a setup for your future opportunity for ministry. Let me explain a little further. Maybe you have gone through a difficult circumstance. If you've ever lost a child, maybe you've dealt with an extreme sickness, whether that's cancer or childhood illness or other things, Maybe, maybe you've been through and you've grieved, you've really grieved for somebody that died suddenly or uh, somebody you were close to. Maybe you've gone through and you've broken free from an addiction. Maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's pornography. I don't know what your addiction is or what you've been through, but the Bible says that God helps you through those things. God frees you from those bondages. God heals you. God is the God of all comfort. But when God helps you through it, He doesn't intend for you to keep what you learned to yourself. 
You understand? He didn't help you through it for your benefit only. You've got to realize there's a greater purpose in that. He helped you through it so that you, as the Bible says, may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You need to know where you've been. Whether you've been through a tragedy or a terrible circumstance, whether you think about where you've been in your past, the sin that, you, that you, used to define you, those old things that are passed away, whether somebody hurt you, whether you went through a bad church experience, God can use where you've been to direct you to future ministry. Does that make sense? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. I want you to look there. It's on the screen. Paul gives an example of how God used his sinful past as a platform for ministry. And this will speak to a lot of us in here. should speak to all of us. Verse 15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He says, I've got something to say, and this statement is true. It's the truest of true, and it's true for everybody, that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. Can you say amen to that? Jesus came for sinners. The Bible even said, Jesus said, I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You say, I've got sin in my life. I've, I've done so many terrible things. I've got a past. I've got regrets. Well, good news. That's why Jesus came. He came for you. He came for you. If you're in here and you say, sinners, ah, untouchables, well, you've missed the whole point. We are all sinners. We have all done wrong, and Jesus died for our sin. But look at what the passage says. Uh, the apostle Paul says, Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and he says, of whom I am chief. He takes a look at his own life, and he says, I'm the worst of the worst. When you talk about sinners, hey, I'm the biggest. Right here, that's what he's saying. But in verse 16, he tells us why. Why would Jesus save him, the chief of sinners? Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy. This is the reason why God showed me his mercy. That in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Did you catch what he said? He said, God saved me, the chief of sinners, because he was setting a pattern, a precedent. He was using Paul as an example. If he can save Paul, he can save anybody. If Paul's sin can become those old things that are passed away, well, so can yours. He was saying it was a pattern to show forth God's long suffering. You say, God is is judging me. God doesn't like me. God hates me. God doesn't want to use me. He can't use me. No, no, no. This passage says God is long suffering. He is patient and his mercy is on display in in Paul. And he says, you know what? If he can save Paul, well, he can save you too. You don't have Paul topped. This is an incredible passage. You, you look at the life of Paul who was Saul and he hated Christianity. He, there was death, on his, blood on his hands and he was just used as an anti-God person. He was just a bad dude. And that was an example that God can use us as well. And God can forgive us as well. So let me ask you, where have you been? Where have you been? What have you experienced what experience do you bring in your life? Where have you come from? What sin have you been through that God has helped you with? I want to pause here. And we're going to get to the end of this message. And the thing is that some of us, 
might still be in the sin. Some of us might be still discouraged. We might be going through the trial and tribulation. Well, you need to allow God to get you out and get you through. And then God can use you. But I know he will. He's the God of all comfort. And he set this pattern that he forgives sinners and he helps. Know who you are. Know what you have. Know where you've been. And the last thing, if you want to find out where you fit, know what Christ can do. Know what Christ can do. So, so many times we say, okay, I, I know my skills, but God can't use me. I'm not capable to do that. I'm inadequate. I can't, I'm not good enough. We, we look at, maybe you look at Pastor Tony or you look at people that lead ministries that maybe you've served in in the past or you just look at other Christians and you say, well, they can do it, but I can't do it. We have got to understand that it's not about our power. It's about his power through us. Ephesians 3 verse 20. This is one of my favorite verses because so many times I feel inadequate and what I've learned is that God calls you to do things you can't do. Do you hear me? You say, I can't do this. Good, that's probably God calling you because it's not about your ability. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able. Who is that? That is God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That word exceeding, that means better, okay? That word abundantly, that means better than that. Above, that means up again. Three levels higher than what you could even think God can do in your life, he can do. And listen, there's a clarifier at the end of that sentence. It says, according to the power that worketh in us. When we get saved, do you know it's not anything that you do to save you? Most of us understand that. The Bible says it's by his grace we are saved. It's not of works. The Bible goes on to say, lest any man should boast. None of us are going to get to heaven. Let's say we're in heaven right now and we're sitting around talking. Nobody's going to be able to say in heaven, well, how how did you get here? Well, I got here because I, I attended church every Sunday. You know, and smile. That's not, I got here because I was so generous and I gave a lot of money to people. No, no, no. The Bible says you get to heaven by grace through faith and not of your works. No one's going to be boasting in heaven. Well, why not? Because we don't boast in ourselves, we boast in Christ. We get to heaven because of what Jesus did. He paid the penalty, He did all the work. We get that when it comes to salvation, but when it comes to serving, sometimes we think it depends on our ability and our skill. Listen, God is not telling you that, you that you have to measure up or you have to qualify. He's just saying, be willing to give me what you have. Be, be willing to give me your past. Be willing to give me where you've been. Be willing to give me those relationships you have. Just be willing to offer it to me and I'll supply the power. I will give you what you need. It's the power that worketh in us. See, the Holy Spirit dwells inside the believer, and he's the source of our power. Do you understand that? I want to look in Ephesians chapter 3. If, you're, if you go back there, if you're in that passage already, Ephesians 3, verse 7, Paul describes this power. It says, Whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Somebody that was used to start many churches, somebody that was used to write most of the scriptures, these letters, these epistles, how did God use him? It's not because he was so talented and had all these abilities. He says, listen, it's according to the gift of the grace of God on my life that I was able to do this. He says in verse 8, 
Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He says it's just a privilege. I will tell you, Christians, you don't have to serve God. He lets you serve him. He allows you, he allows us the privilege to say, God, I'm going to give you what I have. I recognize I'm yours. I'm going to give you what I have. I'm going to give you all that I was, all my past, my experiences. I'm going to give it to you. And then he says, if you'll be willing to do that, I will use it. He will use it. That is how you'll know where you fit. Let me explain it this way and summarize it in just a, a sentence here. Because of who you are, the fact that you're his, because of who you are, Jesus can take what you have and where you've been and use you for his glory in, an, in a way that is unique and powerful. Do you understand that? You've got to do some searching. You've got to do some uh, evaluating. Maybe you've stepped back from ministry because life has had you discouraged and defeated. Let God comfort you and let him walk you through that and use that as a launching pad into ministry. I know so many people in this church have just blessed me by how they've used where they've been. I'll tell you a personal story. And it's only by God's grace that this has been ability to happen. Um, our family has, we have two boys. You guys hear it a lot from me. We have, we have two boys. I have a daughter as well, but my two boys have Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's a progressive muscle wasting disease. It's pretty terrible. That's our circumstance. Can I tell you what I found? And, and this is something that I cling to. You know, we, we cling to these songs always. God, you'll never fail. Always. God, this is my testimony from death to life. God, God, you know, we cling to these things. I cling to the fact that God will comfort me and allow me to comfort others. We have now met, I'm talking hundreds of families that also have muscular dystrophy in their family. I would never, ever, ever, ever been able to meet those people if this hardship were not in our life. But I want you to turn that back on yourself. What opportunities are before you for ministry that maybe you have never noticed before because you've got your head down in defeat? What opportunities for ministry are in front of you maybe because of the past that God has brought you from the, 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 the sinful past that God can use your past. He, we don't glory in the sin that we've been through or that we've committed, but it provides us an opportunity to have a heart and a passion for others maybe that are going through the same thing. God can use you for ministry. God has opened a mission field for you, and you simply need to look up. One last verse, and we'll close. John 4, verse 35. Love this verse. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Church, look up at the mission that God has opened for you. Don't look around at the other people and say, I wonder what God has for them. Look up. God has set you, has set your sights on a path for you specifically. He's going to use your skills. He's going to use your gifting. He's going to use where you've been, what you're going through, so he can use that, you, in ministry. Lift up your eyes. Look around at the people you interact with that no one else does. 
Get out of your depression and discouragement by looking up at the opportunity that it brings. You know, it's, it's difficult to, to get through difficult times when you have your head down and you're focused on how bad and hard it is. I speak from experience. But when you look around you at the needs and you realize that God has comforted you, you can be comforting to others and God can use you.